0: Welcome to podcast number one, Andy Watts, who is probably the most prolific guy in the catering, disposable catering industry. He has the number one search terms in probably the most categories. He's a young entrepreneur, started before entrepreneur was even the fashionable coin term. So let's follow along his journey of life, seeing from a young man uh, growing all the way through to being the the owner of Cater for you, which is a, I said, the best online store for buying your disposable products. He's also a director of Trade uh, and Depot and Chow on Web Design, which we'll find out was some of his early days. Um, you know, we'll find out how he started, um, what it's like to be running this business, some of the trials and tribulations of how he's got there, uh, how he's not into hockey anymore because he's too old and has too many issues. So we'll find out that, about that as well. So please follow along, enjoy the podcast, leave us comments. And follow us on social media, and definitely comment. Thank you. So we're going to start today introducing our guest on the podcast, Andy Watts, uh, director of Cater for You, and Web Design, and Trading Depot. Morning.
1: Good morning. morning, Darren.
0: Good morning, Andy. Um, the uh, i put down here some of your top achievements. You know, starting up as a, an early entrepreneur and now running a very successful catering business, Cater for You.
1: Catering Disposable Packaging Company, yep.
0: Disposable Packaging, that's it?
1: Disposable Packaging, yeah, so everyone's favourite these
0: days. Everyone's favourite subject. Um, so you may well think that's not particularly green, uh, which is my first impression with disposable packaging. So um, I'm sure Andy will turn, change our mind during the conversation as well. Um, so we're going to go straight into a bit of an interview style uh, and see what we can learn today. So uh, first question I had went down really was, uh, what's... What was your sort of planned career and how did it change? Where, where did you start?
1: Well, to be fair, when I was 18, everybody else had their uh, career mapped out in front of them. I had no idea. So uh, at the time, I was um, doing a load of gardening, a load of library work. I was at school, didn't know where I was going to go. Uh, eventually ended up at Newland Park, uh, which is now part of Buckinghamshire University College, and uh, scrabbled together a degree. But whilst I was working there, uh, whilst I was studying there and working there, um, I help, held down a number of jobs as well, and eventually had a choice of either the finance or marketing stream. Selected the marketing stream, and off from there, really.
0: Yeah, it's obviously a good decision. Being marketing, the forefront of all businesses today, uh, obviously online as well, as we'll, as we'll find out.
1: Well, quite interesting, is actually, is you often wonder. Sometimes people in charge of companies are finance people. Um,
0: should it boring. be marketing?
1: Are very, well, yeah, they look at the <laughs> figures, but uh, they're often the first to cut the sales people, then aren't they, yeah. in the marketing? Yeah, and that's than the worst way. grow the way out of trouble. Yeah,
0: so. definitely. definitely. We see that quite a lot in businesses. And, and that with uh, the finance people literally studying figures, cutting things back, wanting return on investment. And very often with marketing, trying to get direct return on investment, unless you're lucky with a, a pay per click and you can say, yeah, I've paid this amount and I've got that amount back. But when you're doing marketing, very often it can be brand. And what's the value of that marketing?
1: When I was very, uh, in my very first few jobs in marketing, you've hit the nail on the head. Marketing was so difficult to uh, get an ROI. and You'd send letters out, you'd spend £10,000 doing a marketing campaign. I used to work um, with a... IT reseller, do marketing campaigns for them. We'd spend £10,000 organising a seminar and get 45 people turning up. The best way we knew any return on investment was whether the letters came back in the post from a mail shot. It was absolutely ridiculous. Mm. So when we saw the internet, it was, well, when I saw the internet first of all, it was just, this has got to be the way forward. You can measure who's looking at your site, which pages they're looking at. In the early days, Google would tell you what uh, search terms they used. Mm. Fabulous, absolutely fabulous
0: yeah gold dust information to find out how people are finding you and then capitalize on on that i suppose well exactly
1: nowadays we 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 analyze and look deeper and we try and build more content about what people are looking for but in the early days it was really stumbling around because people used just used to do generic content for uh, trying to get people to attend seminars or or respond on the phone but uh, absolutely brilliant funny enough i was when I was preparing for this I remembered my first dissertation uh, when I was doing the degree.
0: Have you got it still? It was a long time ago. Do the with a quill? <laughs> quill and ink, yes. Yeah. I was with
1: Jacob Rees-Mogg at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually, I couldn't afford anything like he, his education. But, um, interestingly I did channels to market. Mm-hmm. i completely forgotten about this. And uh, the reason I didn't get a first in my degree was because I said uh, I think the internet is going to be massive, and this was back in 94 and 95. It only just started, I'd seen in one of my job placements, someone using something called a CompuServe account, which you've probably never heard of, yeah. very early days of the internet, mm-hmm. and uh, I could see the internet, and I, was, and I put in my dissertation, channels to market, internet will be massive. Yeah. But uh, he didn't give me a first, because I couldn't back it up with evidence, of course, because there was no evidence, because it was 94, 95, just two years after it started.
0: Wow, yeah, so you were definitely one of the, the forefronts of thinking of marketing, online, Websites and the future of business today, which is killing the high street? Well, the high street haven't
1: adapted, people haven't adapted, yeah, and uh, everything, the internet has changed everything. It's still changing things. There will be massive changes to come, yeah. even now. Uh, I, I see eBay and um, some of the other early forerunners, uh, loads of brand names have already gone by the wayside. The early search engines completely yeah. dominated oh, now Arch by G's. Google. AltaVista yeah, Alta is one of the originals. Done yeah. by a Digital Equipment Company, which was part of compact which then became part of HP um, and yeah. all completely disappeared and the yeah. high streets exactly the same they're, they're needing to evolve yeah. and they're not evolving they can't figure it out but that's what happened with Trade and Depot in the early days of course yeah true. we couldn't figure out how to deliver the goods and, and not mess the existing channels up and that's yeah. why Trade and Depot came into being just to be a dedicated internet provider yeah definitely. Um, whereas We've been to seminars together recently, and we, and we now know actually it's a hybrid mix is the way forward.
0: Yeah, omnichannel, as they know. Omnichannel. Omnichannel is the buzzword of uh, B2B markets, and B2X, which is a new word I've recently seen quite a few times. Um, that's all really useful information, and, and, and that's, it's good because you didn't have a career mapped out, and that's the thing that I think a Lots lot of team. young people don't realise is they, they kind of like they feel they need a path they need to make a difference to people or they need to be have a, have, a, have a path and they haven't got one and they sort of fall by the wayside they sort of bumble around not knowing what they're going to do so I think it's it's interesting to see that where you've come from is almost in the same place didn't really know what you wanted to do probably had a few ideas um right, absolutely none Darren no none
1: whatsoever I just love the internet when I first mm-hmm. saw it what you're saying there about young people just go and do what you enjoy actually mm. and if you see something and you can't do it in your full-time job. Do it as a part-time job. I yeah. learned how to web design, um, as you know. I love playing hockey. Or used to love playing hockey. Yeah. Did you get too old for it. Too old yeah, Always injured, <laughs> broken. And um, <coughs> Darren Anderton of my local hockey club. Yeah. Oh no, that's an old reference as well. No, no, no idea. No idea. Top no, on player. No idea. Okay. Um, Not into sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going. If you want to develop a career in something, you will try it. Do do it in your spare time. I developed my first website for the hockey club, and we did that back in '97. And it took off. We were one of the first hockey clubs in the country to have a website, and I learnt my web design trade from there. And from there, people heard that I did websites and and recruited me, which is why how I started in 2001 in my web design company, purely by almost by accident by pursuing something I enjoyed. So. So your
0: side hustle is is what they kind of call it today. Is that right? Uh, they call it today, Andy. Yeah, the young lads and the young kids today have calling it a side hustle, um, basically a way of of making money on the side of their regular job, um, which they hope to be a career one day. And uh, I think you're right. I think the important thing is is to have something you're passionate about, keep you motivated, keep working on that. But but so many of them sort of also forget to to sort of put the 100% into their main job at the same time because they so want to get on with their side job. And I think you have to learn to be motivated in both. Totally,
1: yeah. If you can't, you can learn so much in your full-time job, even if it's bad things. I had terrible managers for years and years, number of jobs early on. I didn't have a clue, not a clue, but you can still learn from bad managers. And if, when you learn and set up your own company, you can work out how to treat people how not to treat people how to run campaigns mm. um, just from learning from bad experiences as well yeah. as good ones
0: yeah you're right bit, I remember years ago when I was running a bathroom the, um, the at the time there was a book called uh, How to Manage Your Manager and I, I actually <laughs> read that yeah I read the handbook for employees and the handbook to how to manage your manager I read both sides of the story and I, found it, I actually found the one to how to manage your manager more interesting than the one of employee, employees at the time because it was um it was just uh, an interesting book giving you some really good insights into how you as an employee can actually you know kind of adapt your own manager into managing you it was it was very reverse psychology it was very clever I very can clever.
1: imagine and certainly um, getting the most out of people just yeah following what they're interested in as well there's no point trying to sort of force them to do something obviously you've recruit them to do a job but if you see something that has a bright spark which will benefit your business you've got to re- got to harness
0: that yeah definitely definitely um we'll move on to the sort of second one really i mean we've already gone a little bit into it but importantly, how did cater for you start you know obviously you've you've now you've set up a hockey cup website you've mentioned you've done a bit of um website work for other people but then uh, you know you fall into a, an online packaging disposable packaging website that that's you know, that's really bit random, isn't it? Well, it's very random, but also it's really good that you've actually taken what you've loved and, and actually set up a company, opposed to working for other people. And I think that's what a lot of people today, um, you know, would like to be able to do, is to run their own business, be their own person, manage their own time, yep. have all those real, ex- uh, um, real enjoyable parts of managing people. But on the other side, there must have been a massive learning curve to, to r- working for yourself, then to having employees, other people to deal with, how yep. did all that sort of start anyway to begin with? Well you're absolutely right, and um, it's,
1: and I must say today it's much easier to set up a company than it ever has been before. Back in the 80s and 90s it was so difficult to set up a new company. But I set Chalfant Web Design up in 2001, and the interesting thing was um, a lot of people in those days used to specialise in a vertical market. In the early days of web design, you couldn't do that because you couldn't push a number of people to the top of the search engines. Back in those days, it was much easier to get to the top once you got the basic formula. And I was working for a client who, unfortunately, uh, the hosting screwed up and they sacked me. completely beyond my control. I was desperately sad about it and terrible. mentioned it to another client. He said, oh, I've always wanted to be in catering and and do that kind of thing, catering disposables. So I set the business up for them, had a part share in it, and Mm. and that's how it happened because... I couldn't work for multiple people in different industries. Uh, when I worked with you 20 years ago, I was approached by other people, mm-hmm. always checked whether I could, overlapping, nope, okay. Yeah. So that's how Caterview started, got it going with a business partner who had warehousing and started work on it. More of a side project really as for Chowfront Web Design. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for four or five years as a side project. It was so useful to, which then helped my other clients because I worked, found out so many things and tricks that you could try on your own website. Which you couldn't try on your client's website, for obvi- If it went spectacularly wrong, for example, and you completely lost all rankings, yeah, disaster. Yeah. But as as your own company, you can try it and try different
0: things. And we still have that ethos today. Yeah, you mentioned a minute ago about the having the formula, um, the formula of the website. So, what is the formula of the website? Hasn't
1: changed much over twenty years. It's yeah, incredible, no, really. Yep. The, the basics are good content on the website. Yeah. Information that people are interested in reading they want to come to your website to read that information that that's why they've typed you in a search engine mm. organizing that content properly on the website and then that will naturally get you trust around the website people links that information if if it's relevant and interesting and it's still the same today it's it's keeping yourself focused on the content good quality content making yourself relevant to your
0: target audience. Yeah, I mean that's a, certainly a massive longer term strategy in it and and again at trading depot it's it's definitely a, a big part of our business is having the content you know, we have a full time content writer to write content for the site, you know. That that's key because it's otherwise you're just blending with everyone else, don't you? Don't you just if if you haven't got the right relevant content and Totally agree. When, we first, set up, stuff? when we first set up trading depot 10 years
1: Twelve years ago, now is it ten years ago? Two thousand and six. I think we worked on it for a year. Two thousand and five, we started on it, mm-hmm. and there was no information. The manufacturers just had the odd standard literature sheet. There was nothing on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, so we couldn't do duplicate content, which is a big problem now, where people just, everyone just copies and pastes it from the manufacturer's site, yep. which is no good because Google is not going to rank you above the manufacturer's site, which is why the manufacturer dominates the top ten sometimes, because yep. you've got exactly the same information and. But back 10, 12 years ago, we, we wrote it all ourselves. You did all the photography. Nobody had any decent images.
0: No. Nope. To um, so argue we, have, we didn't then, after <laughs> I did it. But, but yeah, we, had, we had our own unique images. And a lot of the, the manufacturers even didn't even have images. No. You know, I think we did th- several thousands of
1: images back then. And right? that's been the great philosophy of Trading Depot, and where I try to cater for you and other customers. It's try and push things forward. Try things new. And, and don't just stand still and rely on other people. You've got to rely on yourself and... and and make yourselves unique in the market. Now it's tremendously competitive, and that that philosophy is a good one to have. But yeah. in, in the old days, that still worked because there was no other information out there. So the same principles have applied yeah. since we were doing the websites back in 97, yep. back in 95, 2001, when I started Caterview in 2003, when we started Trading Depot in 2005. Unique content and the ability to organize that properly, delivering the information that your clients require as and when they're looking for it, rather than just putting the bare minimum and copying it from a manufacturer or supplier's website. Yeah. As we were saying, Trading Depot manufacturers didn't have any information or it was just big glossy brochures back mm. in 2005, 2006. So we had to do a lot of it ourselves. We had to look at the individual boxes. We had to, we had to type up from that. Yep. Um, view is the same completely sleepy industry, backwards B2B industry. There was no information, so we had to create all the information ourselves, all the new images ourselves. But that created ourselves as leaders, both Caterview and Trading Depot, which which is why we're still there today, and it's still so important to push forward. I'll give you a great example from my web design days. I used to get phoned up with management consultants from the local area quite a lot, and they typically would say, I have a six-page PowerPoint that I'd like to be put on the website, just bullet points, and I'd like to be number one for the search term management consultant, but put no in information so people were contact me. And yeah, it's not going to happen. No, <laughs> You're not going to get any trust, and Google's not going to...
0: Not enough content. Not yeah. that, enough that's content. one thing I find today, and I remember we were chatting a little while ago, and you said to me <coughs> you was in the, your studio at KFU taking pictures and, and doing the, the, the writing the content, measuring the cups, and because yeah. there isn't the content for that. It, you haven't got the details, the information isn't there. So yeah, then you've got to write a description of a cup. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that, that 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 to me, I think is fabulous. When you look at you know um, the the rankings that if you have and the amount of you know positioning for number one for, God knows how many search terms. I mean, the amount of search terms you guys are number one for is is amazing. Um, Thank you. It, it is, but it is, but it goes down to them core basics, doesn't it? Of content. So that's that's really interesting. Um, just uh, moving on a little bit. So m- making your product, as in you, uh, besting best in class is is kind of my word, but. What makes you guys better than the rest? I know we covered a lot of it off already, but just just quickly, really what's the sort of what made you difference back in the day? Well, back in the day, it
1: goes back to the content again. We we were the ones that made the effort to put a lot of content up, give people the information they want, and they could easily make a purchase online. Cater for you, in the industry it's in the food packaging industry is so backward, a bit like Trade Depot was really.
0: Yeah, a bit like a trader trade area. Yeah, a lot of these B two B's they're
1: still they're still like that, and you go to seminars and events within the industry, and it's astonishing how they're still totally built differently to sell. Things are changing, they have changed quite a lot, and we've got a lot more competitors than we used to have. But uh, the fact that traditional businesses, you could only buy once a week, you'd have a set delivery run, local deliveries, you couldn't buy from anybody else in the country, it was impossible to open, it was difficult to open an account, you'd have to have a salesperson to negotiate your personal prices. So we set up, straightforward, here are the products, here are the prices, bulk discounts for
0: volume. Mm. Accounts? Do you have accounts? No, nope, we
1: don't have any accounts.
0: So that, that again, we the trade depot we don't have any accounts, and it doesn't affect us. You know, a huge amount of trade use us, and the trade guys, you know, the the people, um, the merchant supplying trade, seem to think, oh, we've got it because we're, we're su- supplying accounts. These guys are interested. They got credit cards, haven't they? You know? Exactly. That's the, that's the same as using a credit account.
1: Well, so we, instead of us having the risk and. And we couldn't get, we couldn't give credit. It would just kill our cash flow, we, mm-hmm. especially in the early days when we were starting up. People have forty, up to forty-five days on their credit card. That's all they need. And yeah. and we offered smaller uh, offerings as well. So we, where it was possible, keep everything food safe and hygienic. So if there is a sealed sleeve inside a case, we broke it down into those small quantities. Perfect. So yeah. if you're just starting up as a business, yeah. Well, if you're they, a
0: little shop and you've got a lot of storage a shop, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they've just got little Not cubby holes. Rate.
1: If you've gone and got a bacon sandwich or coffee from a small deli shop, a railway station, or somewhere like that, they've got no storage space at all, no, no. and we can deliver. We just use nationwide carriers and deliver anywhere.
0: Yeah. So, ch- and do you think that's changed the market? Of the of the other people had to adapt. The other people in your in your scene. Do, to a
1: certain extent, larger customers will still demand credit, and we yeah. just turn the turn the business down. Yeah. Um, and they we'll look at major multiples to try and get bigger discounts mm. certainly the larger customers and the larger suppliers can probably offer slightly better prices that we can but our prices are keen for the majority of the small and medium-sized businesses mm. just the larger ones but it is changing but again they've got the problem of how do they do deal with the price list they've, they've put in for those customers whilst pub- publishing yeah. prices online and, and trying to get around the local deliveries they've all got vans which they need to sustain Mm. And it's such a problem. It's not just my industry or the building industry. It's most other industri- industrial areas, yeah. are gone, that B2B area. And you come back to what we were saying earlier about the omnichannel and, and how do they mix that all up. If you're a new company, it's so easy. You haven't got that problem. If you're an old company, you try and maintain the profitable accounts whilst also wanting to win the new ones. Yeah. Very difficult.
0: Yeah, it sounds It sounds that like you guys haven't really offered the credit, but you changed the delivery, you changed the... The, the package, the sleeves, so you made yourselves different. You know, so what I'm trying to get at is, is that when you're speaking to young people and they're trying to come up with a new idea, you could even, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and invent a new product. You could just change the way that the market is, yeah. the service. Try and break the wheel and make it work a different way. And that, that's what you've, you did back then, really. Is yeah. that it was already working, it was there, you just came in and used the internet at the time. Uh, to, to change the model of what how that supply and demand was working but that could be done again today somebody can come in and, and break your model down in a different way and disturb your business couldn't they? Absolutely and small businesses are much
1: nimbler than large businesses so as you become more successful as a business you naturally become less nimble you have to suddenly have processes internally you may have ISO nine thousand one, which is a good thing for quality side of things mm-hmm. but larger companies are are less nimble and as a smaller person you can react much quicker and be proactive with customer requirements. If somebody phones out specific, you want the business more than say a larger company who might go turn it down for some reason. I'd like to think, case you you aren't like that, but there might be instances in the future where we can't do something, or you see it on eBay now actually, where people are splitting down packs even further, but then it's not food safe and we won't do that because we have to keep our products food safe and hygienic for, for resale other people buy a sleeve from us maybe or a case from us and then sell it on eBay really and that's how yeah. smaller companies will but it's the same with the DIY industry I remember when we were finding packs of screwdrivers on
0: eBay which people were making pennies on it's, you can't sustain a living on that no I mean the whole of the power tool market to so give you another example that that was changed completely by the internet because people were the, traditionally you would sell into a merchant a pack of tools you might like to it seven you know Dewalt drills you'll you'll take seven Dewalt drills in you'll have a your big drill driver you take all the different bits and pieces you, you, you'll have three batteries with it but then somebody online would take the whole kit buy 10 of them at a decent price break them down into individual naked bodies and then they would sell those online at all different prices and that is now how power tool market works today how is it? all the big ones all the big power tool suppliers will be buying kits and bulk and they break it down into essentially what you guys were saying. You did back in the day, yeah. and they they would take it down. And then you. So when you when that tool arrives at your house, um, you'll end up with a three hundred pound drill in literally a carrier bag. That's it. That's all you get. You're paying three hundred quid for a drill. It doesn't come in a box. It doesn't come in and crack a packaging. Doesn't come in, just in a carrier bag. Manufacturers um, won't see that. And when the manufacturers know it happens, and it, and to me. Uh, from the marketing you know if I had a brand I wouldn't I wouldn't be happy about that you know if you, you're you selling a, a premium quality drill it's part of a kit broken down and it's now it's in a sleeve it's in a bag you know um, and you look at the likes of the Coca-Cola brands when they buy their multi-packs they're very lucky They they put this is a multi pack can, and yeah, yeah, you know, same with Crisps it, as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So they try and disturb that part of the market so people can't <clears throat> buy multi packs and break them down and sell them in shops. Some of the shops do, but you know they're still trying to break that that down. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see that, that 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 every market's kind of the same but different. If that makes if that makes any sense. Just moving on to fashion and something that I you know that really really for me. For across the, all of these podcasts is going to be key. But fashion trends in the markets we're forever changing. Things are changing quicker today than they've ever changed before. Absolutely. My, my belief is that you know the next two to, to five years is going to be probably ch- move as fast in retail as the last ten years have. You know because things with the online, things with socials, things with apps, things with voice. Everything's moving at such a rate that I think we're going to see some huge changes with not only the high street but but products and. Direct to consumer products, but just quickly with your industry, the the buzzword recycling, recycling paper straw, plastic straws, sorry, you know, getting rid of paper, plastic straws for paper. How how's has that changed in the in the market for you?
1: Uh, you're spot on. That has been such a big change in the last year, and quite rightly so as well, because people in the industry. It was, I go to an environmental seminar each year within the industry, organised by the industry body, the FPA. Absolutely fascinating but they were caught like rabbits in headlights. When Hugh fernley Whittingstall, did that fantastic documentary on paper cups, how they weren't recycled, and then Blue Planet obviously followed up with plastic in the oceans. All this was made aware to us just before it all happened, and they were, oh, what are we going to do about it? Totally changed the market, really interesting. As it happens, case for you, because we're not part of the industry, we've had recycling information on all our products uh, for a very long time. We've had a biodegradable section on there for over 10 years, which wow. was, um, wow. which I was. I looked through the other day. I was quite surprised how long we'd had it for. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've always sought these products out. We hate the EPS stuff, the foam stuff. We well, we don't like shipping it anyway, but it, we think it's terrible. Uh, it's although it is the best insulator for products. But isn't it a enough. core part of your business? I mean, you hate it, but you kind of like, you love it. From it, obviously, it's a core part of your business. It isn't a core part of the business. Right. Um, it's very light. doesn't ship very well. But also, we just don't like selling it. We no. don't as as. Because we're consumers, I guess as well. We don't yeah. like seeing it now. We prefer the cardboard yep. insulated products now. We've got a whole raft of things. But over the last year, huge changes in the market. Mm-hmm. Although I do think some of them are, some of the conceptions are misconstrued, and I think there needs to be better education in the market as well. Um, I'll give you an example: Plasti- all plastics aren't all bad. They can be reused. And they do need to be disposed of properly and not just thrown out of the window, which is my concern with, say, biodegradable things, say, so, oh, this will compost naturally. When they're composted naturally, has, what they mean is it has to be an industrial facility and collected appropriately, not slung into a hedge where it will stay for many years. Mm. Um, and it still can damage the environment that way. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it just looks awful. People seem to think it is yeah. okay to chuck out of, yeah. out of the window. but as as I was saying last year I've seen a huge change and we've actually struggled to get hold of a lot of the product that we've been selling for the last 10 years because suddenly the big boys have sucked all the market mm. uh, all the products out of the market and, and there has been a dearth a shortage of products yeah. but things like PET plastic containers for example instead of we've made a conscious decision to stop PET because it is the most widely recyclable plastics out there and that seems like an obvious obvious way to go people can collect it easily can recycle it at the doorstep by that i mean councils pick it up every two weeks yep. or, or however often it is at your local council and it will be taken back to the factory and it can be reused which seems better than um, trees being chopped down they say a lot of it's fsc which is forestry standard um, certified mm. but can we be sure can we be sure all of it's coming all the, all the product coming in from china is is uh, being sourced, not from rainforest? I've heard whispers that they've done tests on it and it hasn't been, some of the board shouldn't have been sourced from where it should be. And I yeah. think that'll be the next scandal when someone puts some money into it and, and finds out where this board has been sourced from, yeah, quite yeah. rightly too. I right? We're very careful where we source from. We try yeah. and, we, well, we have to trust our suppliers to a certain extent, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But going back to um, fashions as well, everyone was clamoring for a latte cup tax, -hmm. which which seemed like the right thing. The plastic bag tax has done well. But um, the industry have actually done some really good stuff in terms of organising themselves. Since being caught out completely by Hugh and the River Cottage documentary, they have organised themselves pretty well. And there's something called the PRM, which I'd never heard of, which applies to manufacturers Mm -hmm. of um, cups, food packaging, uh, our, our whole industry. And it means that there is a tax put on when it's manufactured for the end of life yep. which goes towards um, the market value of a recycled material at the end and they talk I'm not an expert on it by any means I've, I've only, you sound quite no no I'm not I'm, I've only I've only I only know what I've touched upon but they're talking about overhauling that completely uh, which is which I believe they announced in the budget and it's called the PRN and this will be a tax which will then go to more consistent packaging tax and recycling for local councils. Local councils are struggling for for money and and that's one of the areas where it needs to be more consistency. Every single council within county councils, the district councils have all got different recycling. That needs to be more recycling consistent, needs to be more consistent and uh, that will help to do that which means more people will be able to recycle at doorstep. It just becomes a no-brainer for consumers.
0: Yeah definitely. So we covered the, the the packaging side of it and in, in quite in depth there, which is which is really interesting. Um, but then, sort of, for me, these fashion trends and whether they be you're motivated by recycling or environmental or even it's just like you know a new design. Whereas, if you'd have gone back ten years ago and twenty years ago, if that feature had happened on BBC Two and uh, it was featured. That would have never had the steam, the speed, and the steam that they had because of the today's market with yeah. the social, press, social social media is completely yeah, exactly gaining traction with it, and that was the bit for me that, that makes a difference, and that's why I keep saying about things will change so quickly because you've noticed it this year in this particular sec- sector and and this particular trend, and it's so fast you know just, everyone got quite out it happened almost overnight and everyone's then so you know big companies are going around oh we're going we're gonna to ditch plastic straws um and we're going to go to paper straws um with no real you know decision other than the fact it's it's a, it's a trend of fashion or or something someone's decided passionately about a good thing don't get me wrong but without all the, the background thought Behind it, does that make sense? Yeah, knee-jerk
1: reaction, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing people trying to suck one of McDonald's milkshakes up through a paper straw. It will just collapse. Or Which, bamboo.
0: Bamboo. I've yeah. seen people selling packs of bamboo straws that you have to wash yourself. You buy buy them a little pack. They come in a little sleeve. You put them in your handbag or your bag. You take them with you everywhere you go, uh, and it's made from bamboo. Is it? Is it? It's quite. But it's quite difficult if you're eating in house for a restaurant mm-hmm. to
1: get. Those straws cleaned to a hygienic standard, so and that's what the problem they've had a re a take away reusable takeaway cups in, in in outlets as well because mm. someone brings a coffee cup back and it's their coffee cup, but have they washed it and then someone gets ill afterwards because they've not washed it properly. Is it the restaurant's fault or is it the person's fault obviously the best thing is to Say, for example, a major brand has a whole batch done, they give it to the customers, customers bring it back, and they swap it out for another one each time so they know it's been cleaned hygienically.
0: Or it's been recycled correctly, I suppose, if it's a, yes. recyclable, it's a recyclable one. So I was at Twickenham to the rugby at the weekend, and there you have to pay a pound for your plastic cup. It's a, it's a solid plastic cup. Um, and then you just give it back at the end. Um, I have no idea what happens to it. You see, it feels like you're being responsible because you're not being wasteful. Um, but does it get re-cleaned? Does it go to is it is it recycled in the right way? We don't really know. No, one, they don't tell you that. They're just saying that we're being good and you charge you a pound for the cup. I'm sure it's actually a really good money-making exercise. Um, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, and it also makes the it a bit cleaner. Suggests. Yeah, and it says people are cleaning up after them. But but you still see you know there, there was a probably twenty or thirty kids running around picking up massive stacks of. Of plastic cups and taking them back to the bar, yeah, you know, so, the the, money. Okay. so that they're making loads of money off the little kids are making money off the back of it, um, and it kind of like saves them paying for loads of cleaners, doesn't it? So who knows? Maybe there's another motivation behind it, but it, it seemed quite green at the time.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because um, that almost collides with what everyone's saying about the deposit return scheme. Is that a lot of people would put um, coke cans or plastic cups or coffee cups in their doorstep recycling? But if you put a deposit return scheme, people would take it back to where they purchased it, which means the local council... Drive into town. Sorry, drive into town. Take, pe-
0: a, take a can back. Well, Is that you- environmentally friendly?
1: But you were just saying the kids <laughs> pick- the kids were picking up all the plastic cups because <laughs> uh, they're making some money on it. So where there's the um, opportunity to make a little bit of cash, yeah. some people might go around, yeah. pick them all out, take them back to a shop. Um, and so instead of local council receiving the money for the PET um, Coke cans or the aluminium Cups, they lose that revenue, which underpins the whole local doorstep recycling. Mm. Uh, If it goes back into doorstep recycling, goes via the retailer, who probably won't make any money. um, The industry takes a step back because the money isn't there to sustain a doorstep collection, and it and it would happen. I mean, I'm old enough to remember some of the collections that happened in the 70s, and you go around trying to pick out some stuff from hedgerows. I mean, self-cleaning littering then, because and, and take it back, and get your money back on bottles and things.
0: So we have loads of little entrepreneurial kids yeah, running around absolutely. at seven o'clock at night rifling for our recycling bins, taking the cans back. It's um, a possibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Now, that's interesting. So moving around the um, food service industry, we were mentioning about using less resources.
1: Yeah, interesting what you're saying about the bond suites and people taking it, and we were saying about uh, food protection. Uh, some of the issues that are highlighted by uh, the FPA, who we're a member of... Uh, The environmental seminar, Friends of the Earth and Greenpeace are regular speakers at those, and other people of a similar industry background. um, We're talking about the Ellen McCarthy full circular effect on the economy. Really interesting. So, as you were saying, using less of everything, making things less disposable, uh, reusing more, Mm -hmm. and and that's um, what they're found. What her foundation is looking to do is use less in the economy. We're using far too much resource out of the planet at the moment. Um, So really interesting concept well it's not a concept it, really interesting what she's trying to do push forward and, and hopefully the industry will react and will have more reusable things yeah
0: definitely I mean the technologies we, are there yeah they, they are and it, it, you don't have to be you don't have to be too clever sometimes people try to be too clever of things and, and that's why if you keep it simple it will work and a bit like the, the, the recycling with the straws and the paper, going from plastic to paper, it's a simple concept. It's, it's cottoned on, very, very easy to do. Very easy to portray, very easy to tell people. Uh, but when you try and make things too complicated, sometimes it gets lost in translation. And we've already been doing this sort of recycling for a long time, but it tends to be sort of the, the, you know, the smaller businesses. We went, I went to Borough Market probably seven years ago, and there's a stand there where you can go and take a, a wine bottle, and you can basically fill your wine bottle up and it's got like a pop down cork and then you take it away and you drink it yep. and you go back and you pop it open and you just obviously you wash the bottle out but you, you fill it back up again That's, uh, so I mean I went to Oktoberfest in Earls Court yep.
1: 15 years ago yeah, and um, you bought a reusable plastic uh, glass there Yeah. so instead of disposable glasses they just yep. had the same one and you went round from Keg to
0: keg, yeah. and filled up your glass just as you yeah. were saying. And that's fifteen years ago. You yeah, had to oh. buy another one because you lost it because you can not really put it. But um, cool uh, industry bo- industry bodies. Um, what what industry bodies are you guys members of? Well, I think we've made, mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Food Service Packaging
1: Association, yeah. fabulous body for the catering industry. Yep, really really done well the last couple of years with all the industry news. Their uh, chairman Martin Kirsch is regularly on the on the news, fielding questions. Does a really good. Uh, question-and-answer knows his stuff, but the whole industry um, has got together and tried to respond in a, an industry-centric way that is the right response, we think, for uh, how to move forward. So it's not just a knee-jerk reaction to paper cups or um, other issues which are straws and things. So plastic straws is not, well, very important, but plastic straw is part of a much wider in- industry problem. Uh, of recyclability so they've been fantastic bucks business first if you're a new business setting up have a look for see if there is something similar in your county yep. i can't recommend them highly enough they're free to join you can go to seminars about how to set your business up how to do ongoing marketing how to organize your finances uh, being really helpful and the organized industry awards and things also remember the fsb who do some similar stuff as well Yep. and it's been useful they've got a legal team there you can phone up if necessary
0: excellent so everything you need for a small business to sort of support yeah.
1: you all cost effective and I'd say really important excellent they No do good, good deals
0: um, so upon a new technology uh, just quickly any real new technology that's in, in your area
1: web design or cater for you, um, you or any of it
0: any of it really yeah. new, well, let's, let's go to cater for you for a minute just uh, see what you think from a
1: so new technology for cater for you there's a lot of new technology in terms of packaging, packaging materials. The most interesting plastic that's coming out now is PLA. It's been around for a while. We touched on earlier about compostability mm-hmm. and how it degrades. So a lot of new products now have PLA in, so it'll automatically degrade, although it hasn't got a very high temperature resistance, which is why it degrades. But um, So the technology of packaging is changing quite quickly. But the industry as a whole is coming back to the web design area so we're launching a new website soon nice. we like we like to think we've always been at the forefront yep. and so we're launching a new one because we, we only launched it three years ago and it's already out of date mm. um, and mobile apps as we know when we go down to Brighton we go to conferences uh, all, yep. all over the place as well as Brighton we look at new technologies that are coming up and thinking wow we're never going to use that that will never make mainstream before you know it it's there mm. a couple of years ago we were looking and someone said about voice search yep and then suddenly the Alexa's came in, the Google
0: Home's came in. The Massively app, popular. Incredibly popular. I was I, I was listening to a thing this morning about uh, how the, the the next layer of, um, of, of everyone's technology is gonna be the voice, obviously. And it's gonna be turned around in as much as that people are now going uh, starting to build apps over the top of the voice. So you can now, a bit like, you could play a game on, a, on Alexa. So you could ask Alexa to load a game. It loads the game, it's an app, it's a third party app that someone's built to go on top of the their platform. They, you may buy it you know, you may actually purchase it for your account Amazon account uh, and then you start playing the game via a, a voice activator again it could be a quiz game or whichever yep. but there's going to be service behind that as well training maybe maybe coaching who knows there's a whole level of product that isn't even invented yet that will eventually in the next two to three years will be on that Alexa or the Google Home or whichever
1: absolutely and as a business we need to adapt to that but from where k 2 has been built on terms of organic search results as Trade and Epo has and also, more lately, the pay-per-click results as Google has needed to monetize its investment over the years. Those are becoming irrelevant now. It's only the top search result that gets delivered, and invariably that's a Google search result or Alexa, Alexa's own web search, so Alexa and Amazon. I assume everyone knows Alexa's owned by Amazon. Amazon uh, bought Alexa many years ago, kept it quiet, and then it's now delivering its own search results, so Mm -hmm. Google has got a competitor with Alexa big time now uh, which is why they brought their own home devices they've probably seen that so those are the kind of changes in the market the new technologies um, we also saw AI uh, when we were down in Brighton didn't yeah, we? Definitely. We, we we sat through all the conferences were really relevant and we thought ah, AI that's not really any interest to us at all and watch, she was a brilliant speaker wasn't she yeah. and we watched watched it all and was we thinking by the end of it we were searching for
0: 3d phones weren't we 3d video recorders yep yeah, we're trying to find out ideas of, of using that in <laughs> the future. Uh, and you've mentioned a really good point actually, because at the minute we mentioned like that you have top for many search engine results for lots of long tail keywords yep. as we call it. So, yep. you know, maybe a, a not just a plastic cup, but a, a longer one. Um, what's interesting is going forward in in the trading depot and and Chalfont Web Design, and also for your cater for you business, is that on voice when I ask, you know, where can I go and get a, a product a plastic cup from, for instance, there's only going to be It's not gonna give me five pages worth. It's not gonna continuously read five pages out of results. No, it's only gonna be maybe one or two.
1: And that's gonna be Google's featured snippet, which is just the top one, which is which is uh, gained from somebody else's website. Yeah. So it's not even the website. It's gonna be Google delivering the answer and not saying
0: website yeah exactly so so straight away how are we as businesses and are going to be in the fort you know, be at the front of that it's gonna be interesting it's going to be paid advertising I'm sure um, <laughs> so some kind of paid <laughs> revenue yes. uh, to be the number one in the future they'll monetize the the featured snippets I'm
1: sure some like of course that. Amazon Amazon's the Alexa results are all its own products on store and it will deliver its own products
0: yeah it will Amazon's very clever because it you know the, the buy box on the platform is the key in, in many ways because whatever it says the first result people go for especially if it says Prime next to it people just click on it and buy it they don't even question it it may have five other results that will give you different prices so it says from this but it will just go straight for the first one and off you go Um, going forward for that I, I really think you know Amazon's only ever going to deliver its own results if it can ever help it you know but they also do cases. Amazon do pay per
1: click as well so Amazon will only deliver the people who've also bid highest for that as well as
0: within their own warehouses yeah so exactly <laughs> how so do you compete with that with your own website it's yes yeah, so exactly so you're going to be have to pay Amazon to, for the for the click and you're going to be paying Amazon for the transaction because they're either transacting it for you putting it in their warehouse or they're buying it you know it, it's going to be one of those um so they've got it all signed up really absolutely so. at the moment at, the, at moment, the moment, until someone else brings another one out. Which, who knows, in another couple of years it will change, I'm sure.
1: Well, over the 20 years, as we touched upon earlier, look, these brands come and go. And uh, Facebook was massive. eBay was massive. I actually think we've reached fi- peak Facebook now. I don't think people are on Facebook no. as much. Look at the posts, people aren't posting as much. No. Bizarrely, Instagram's taken over. I don't particularly understand it, but that's probably my age. It just seems like a new type of Facebook. I know Facebook own it, mm-hmm. but the kids don't. Use Facebook at all? My, I've got teenage children. They don't use Facebook at all. So no. brands Snap, come and go. Snapchat, so Snapchat,
0: Snapchat, probably Snapchat. I think I think if you're looking at the young market, Snapchat probably is the the, the biggest area. You know, sub, sub twenty five. You know, maybe even sub twenty two. It is the younger market. Instagram then covers that broad between the, the 20s through to the, the 30s and 40s maybe. Uh, and then the Facebook still is fairly active with the older older yeah. generation, the mums thinking they're checking up on their kids but they're not even on it. Well, I quite often use Facebook just so my parents, I know my parents follow me and say, oh, I saw you on Facebook today just to sort of let them know what I'm doing exactly. rather than having to phone them. Yeah, that's very <laughs> nice of you, Andy. I'm sure they'll be appreciated when they listen to this. Um, so um, just moving on, so social media, we've, just, um, we've kind of covering a lot of social media at the minute. Um, but for me, you know, how has social media affected you, as in your business? Does that really come into it? Bearing in mind you're a B two B, do you find in in the in the mainstream? Well, we're an interesting mix of B two B and we,
1: we teeter on B two C. We we say we're B two B, but a lot of people um, came to us originally as small manufacturers, so people working from their tabletop in the kitchen. <laughs> so when the 2008 recession came along, yeah again you're probably too young to remember that Darren. Not, no. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I was. <laughs> We've only been working together for 20 years. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people started making cupcakes, I don't know if you remember, but the whole craze was to make a cupcake and people think, oh I'll make a pound of cupcake. And in 2008 that was good money when people didn't have jobs and they needed it. But Caterfield rode on the back of that and so we were, is that B2B? Is that B2C? But coming what you were saying about social media, very important now. People are always putting the catering results online, I guess. People are always taking photographs and putting it on social media. Pinterest, Pinterest. we haven't mentioned, and that's, that's a massive social mm. driver for us. We get a lot of referrals. It's probably one of our top channels yep. to our website, it's Pinterest.
0: How do you, you run and capitalise on that? Do you, do you actively seek customers... Uh, photographs and, and products that they're sharing, or and get yourselves tagged in that? Is that something you actively seek? More and more recently, as I, as I said earlier, we've
1: got a great team at Case yeah, for You. Cool. And we let them sort of, well, I didn't say it implicitly, but we, we talked about how to uh, encourage people. And we've noticed a few of them, they like social media, mm-hmm. so we've encouraged them to do it. In fact, they came to us and said, We haven't got an Instagram channel, let's do it, Andy. Um, so they've just got cracked on and done it. And we've already Excellent. got hundreds of followers in a fairly short time scale we've had our Twitter and Facebook accounts running we generally publish the same content across all the channels just so we capture it but uh, so they're running with Instagram, people are actively posting their products because it's mutual promotion as well and yep. we publish it to ours uh, and it's interactive it's, it's great actually, it's really good to see what some of our customers use the product for as well
0: yes yeah, so you've kind of you empowered some young people as well at the same time which is good isn't it, to, to let them sort of have a, a purpose within the business and have a bit of ownership
1: absolutely and and it comes back to why I went into marketing I guess it's a thrill of knowing somebody's looked at your product you've done something to make them look at the product they bought it mm-hmm. they're getting the same thrill and buzz I guess from posting something and people responding and the interactivity mm-hmm. and they're straight on it as well and it's great mm-hmm. I, I love watching them do it and they're, they're much better than me as well, And
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, well, everyone loves that, that, that the bit to be liked, don't we? Everyone looks a hit of dopamine is the, the drug I think it releases when we see, ah, oh, someone's texted us or liked us and, and clicked on it. And and I think of, of young people with a, the, the speed of which today everything interacts. They can put a picture up there and they they get a couple of likes and straight away, oh, do you know what, I've made a difference to... Yeah, to, to and they are making you. a difference. And they feel that they feel good about it themselves as well.
1: We're making a difference to our customers because we're publishing their products yeah, cool. to a wider audience. That's really uh, good. That's and really good. Uh, some of the stuff, innovative stuff out there, I, 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 we touched on fashions earlier, but yeah. I probably didn't mention it, but vegan foods. Vegan foods are massive for our business, so we've quite... we're very. I like to think we're a leader in the ethical source products, the biodegradable things, as we mentioned earlier, uh, and the vegan and ethical businesses a really artisan business that have pushed that yep. forward yep. and it's amazing some of the stuff they're coming up with That the food and creativity our customers have got to deliver something that is marketable I mean vegan is a traditional laughing stock I guess of the catering industry but mm-hmm. some of the products they're coming up with is
0: fantastic they look amazing and they're thriving yeah now, and another area we, we should have probably mentioned in a fashion as well was um the sort of take your your own tub in I don't know what you the technical term of it is where you take your own tub in. That, that seems to be popping up everywhere, doesn't it? I haven't seen that actually. You know, but, uh, well, you can go and get coffee. My oh, team probably tea. know better. But yeah, yeah, but you can, go get, you can go and get tea and coffee in a shop. There's a, there's a company called Eat17 that, that, that do it. And you can basically take your own refillable. Tub in, okay. and you go and a bit like you used to go and buy sweets. You remember this? We used to go and buy the sweets. Was <laughs> it Bonds of London? Was it Bonds of London? Something like that? I can't remember. Half yeah. penny sweets. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what it was. But you, you have all the jars in the sweet shop behind, and you used to go in and you take a bag and you say, Yeah, I want half a pound or a quarter pound or whatever of yep. a certain sweet. Um, and you get your, you know, your. Um, Lemon, sherbets, wherever they were, and they'd be in the big tubs behind. So essentially, you can go into um, companies like E 17 and they've got some very fashionable places in London. and You basically take your own container in, jam jar sort of thing. You go in, you weigh the jam jar first, so they you know the weight of it, so it's sort of zero, if that makes sense. And then you go in, you fill up your tea, your coffee, your nuts, or whatever you want to go and fill up okay. um, your pulses, your fruits, your yep. s- oats, whatever. Yep. They've got big dispensers, and you walk up, you fill it up to your own thing, put the lid on it, you go and weigh it again, and you pay for the. For the for the product inside
1: i mean interesting point now it covers off what we we're saying earlier about food hygiene the only thing that always the industry talks about is having to make sure the product is delivered in in transit in a safe uh, something that doesn't increase food waste uh, and, and, and maximum hygiene which is why we don't <coughs> split our products up we have to retain the integrity of the hygiene but um, something uh, also, you sort of triggered off in there is food waste. People mm. are, uh, the industry is big on food waste. How much food is wasted in this country? How much food is chucked out? And so, food packaging has a great role in that. So, if they can equip people coming to the restaurants yeah who, or takeaways with the yeah. proper things, as long as it's hygienic and people don't get ill after it, then great. Yeah. Has don't to worry. be. Take your food away and get ill. That's not a good adverb, is it? No. But then you said someone did a great presentation in one of the food packaging seminars. About coconuts being covered in plastic, yeah, that is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. cucumbers covering it—they don't need it. Why? Really, yeah. Who even invented that? (laughs) It's just nuts, isn't it? So, either shop at your local um, greengrocers as they don't have anything in plastic; they just give you paper bags. Mm -hmm. You can do—it's all plastic-free aisles there. And then, or supermarkets, yeah, get rid of some of that stuff. It's not needed. Use paper bags, all biodegradable, compostable and uh, you don't need plastic for that kind of thing and only buy stuff more regularly when you need it rather than let it rot in the fridge so you yeah. don't need the more intensive plastic
0: packaging no, true, perfect Um, so I, I've i put on here about um life experiences and what you pass on to your younger self I'm always massively keen on the fact that if I could talk to myself when I first started I'd have done a lot of things differently so I'm always, yeah. what what would, what would you, you do differently? Know? what would I do differently? you've done well yeah, I have, but I, I, confidence was the thing I lacked back in many, many years ago, and confidence in what I believed in I'll was actually the right thing to that. do. And, you know, this podcast, um, I actually came up with the idea of it uh, three years ago, and it's now three years down the line. I've thought about it probably... 50 60 times in the last um three years and something's always told me that we need to do this and it's the right thing to do and we should also there's a few other things we need to do as well but we'll you know slowly i'm getting there now now i've got the team here to get behind it and the infrastructure to do it is now is the right time to do it but if i'd have started three years ago it still would have been the right time we'd have just been three years further on yeah yeah um, But I think it goes
1: back to what you were saying earlier as well about you can only try these things Hmm. if you've got the day-to-day stuff running right. So if you're an employee, absolutely. you've got to focus on your day-to-day, keep the revenue coming in, make sure that's everything's still viable, and then do this other stuff, which pushes the boundaries, is interesting. Um, but yeah, confidence, absolutely right. When you're younger, or when I was younger as well, I didn't have any confidence in myself. I didn't think I had the ability to do anything. And looking back, it's actually, yeah, I didn't know what I was talking about. Hmm. I should have had more confidence, should have gone for it more. Although in my day... My day, Darren. Yes, back in the day. Back in the day, <laughs> um, yeah. the job market was a lot more limited. There was sort of very, very much less opportunity out there. You were very much pigeonholed, whereas now there is much more opportunity. So I'd have loved to have been a DJ, for example, music DJ. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm music is my passion. I love music, and I should have had, you know, could have done it. Did wasn't given the opportunity. Didn't think I had the opportunity. Didn't think I could do it. And same web design. I should have pushed myself further. I only become a only set up the business by accident when I got made redundant and actually it was a blessing in disguise when somebody well my employer at the time just said well we can't pay you next week uh, okay am I redundant then <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, thanks Yeah. Thanks. okay I suppose there's no redundancy pay no off you go yeah, see All that, right, yeah. okay.
0: I mean that, that, it's interesting you say that the, that the job market is, is is a lot better today than it was it's sort of broader you can basically do whatever you want to do and something that's that also young people today your parents you tell your kids you can do whatever you want to do you can be whatever you want to be you just got to do it um, then they they go through life, everything's a hundred miles an hour, and then you speak to some of them, and they go, well, "What do you want to do?" I don't know. And it's like, what what are you doing? It's oh, too I'm much choice. Along. And it's almost too much choice. And and sometimes you 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 need to start and do something, and stick with it, and work with it. And and that's the thing for me when I speak to some some people. You know, we got a great team here at Trading Depot and some great young guys. But you speak to some of them, and they like fall into the warehouse or they're falling into the role within the business. And when they fall into that role and they actually do quite well at it and they, they really get you know a bit of motivation and they get some good pushing along but on the other side of it, is it what they dreamed of when they were a kid? No. Is it what their parents told them they could do and do be anything and do anything? No. But instead of a job it's still paying the wages and if they've got the enthusiasm and the foresight to go and do something they're passionate about the guys have done it. You know, we've had people come here learn, find themselves ground themselves and then go off and do other things and that is rewarding from my point of view.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and uh, I, given the opportunities now, I, I think we we've chatted before about the fact that we can. In the old days, when, when we first met, doing a video was impossible. Only people with really high end technology could possibly think about creating a video, doing the setup, the editing and publishing it somewhere onto a, v- a VHS um, recorder which might might be out there but now you've got all that on your phone, the quality on the phone is probably better than the equipment we used back in the day or they used back in the day mm. and you can upload to YouTube which then gets a mass audience. The yeah. opportunities are much broader from that respect. But coming back to what you were saying about empowering people, it's quite interesting that a lot of people. Just want to do the job nine to five, and that's it. They just want to go home. But sometimes you ask people, "What do you think?" And it's like, oh, I don't know. I've never thought, or never, never been asked before. I've never thought about what to about the job. But they just want to come and do the job, get it over and done with, and then enjoy their social life. Absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is motivated by business, I guess, and what they want to do. And actually, there's very few people out there who have maybe got that entrepreneurial flair to <coughs> set up their own business but if you're passionate about something you should still have a go and there are lots of people out there who can help um, help you set up the company uh, so Katie for you is based in Buckinghamshire and we've got a great outlet called Buckinghamshire Business First Yep. and I've been to a few of their seminars and there's people out people there just starting up they haven't got a clue but they're passionate about what they do bumped into a couple the other day who are doing personal training just come out of the army and listening to them, their own passionate about what they wanted to do, where they wanted to go. They wanted to help people, yeah. but they didn't know how to set up the business and where to start. Frankly, and yeah. why should they? Yeah. And uh, but if so, if you have got that passion for something else rather than maybe a nine-to-five warehouse job or eight-to-five warehouse job as it is here, yep. Um, there is still the opportunity you can get out there and do it, but it's somehow sparking that interest in people to become their
0: to own go and bosses yeah. to go and do it and I think about being passionate you've got to go and do it and you know I was chatting yesterday to a lady and her daughter's 14 years old uh, and she's very passionate about um, wanting to, to give people with mental health um, their sort of like a wish a bit like a make a wish but for mental health yep. um, because make a wish only do physical I didn't know this to yesterday, but mental Make-A-Wish Foundation only do stuff for people with physical disabilities, as opposed to mental disabilities. Okay. And I didn't know that. And there isn't really a charity that does that. And she's she's she was um, she's very very young, but she's passionate about it. She set up a website. She set up a charitable organisation. She set up. She's how young's that? I mean, how entrepreneurial is that? And then overnight, she's raised money and she just granted the first wish to uh, a young boy who uh, wanted to go on a helicopter, and they've uh, given him a helicopter ride you think yourself well how amazing is that is a young girl 14 years old gone off sell a charity sell because ch- she's passionate about it yeah yeah and that's the difference is you can do it if you want to if you really really want to that's yeah difference.
1: I mean some people don't want to and we yeah, yeah that's, that's fine true. yeah they just want to be there I, and they that's 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 what they want to do is they got a role at work and they don't want to take the risk I've got some very very clever friends who haven't got the urge to set their own business. They just want to stay within a company, which is fine. And then it's up to their employ employers then to get the most out of them and, and, yeah. and use their brilliance. I mean, I've chatted to you with someone about one in particular who's fantastic at social marketing, but never quite made the step out. And it, yeah. you could easily do it, but not interested. Mm. So not everybody wants to wants start to their own, own. No, businesses. it's not about your own
0: business, but then they excel in their own business within the organisation. So they're passionate about it. They come Absolutely, to work. rewarding.
1: Yeah. And as an employer, you have to uh, try and identify what they're interested in chat with mm. them regularly and, and just like a guy at caterview View set the Instagram up fantastic yeah
0: good. just, just go and do it brilliant Super. no that's excellent Um I've put a note on here about um so we did go a little bit off topic about the, your, your, your younger self but oh, yes. go and do it I think was the thing confidence yes. and go and do it that, I think we both agree on that confidence 100%.
1: have confidence in yourself and actually the opportunities are if you want to do something you can do it but do something to help yourself do it yeah <laughs> don't definitely. just sit in the background
0: and ask questions suppose, and get people to help you um m- moving on books and books you've read what What, what do you what do you read Are you what's your interest passion i hardly ever read it's really no. bad no.
1: um i do enjoy reading i used to love reading uh, when i'm away on holiday i usually just sit down read a book usually autobiography musicians normally mm. as well
0: you said you're passionate about music yeah yeah uh, so
1: the last one, fun enough, was Bruce Dickinson, I think, the last book mm-hmm. I read, which we uh, then saw at Magento.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. He yeah. was ama- I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know who he was. But what an amazing guy. Yeah. It
1: was. It was great for me because I read his book and yeah. so I could relate to a lot of what he was saying. So when he came on stage, we didn't even realise he was coming on stage. No, And it was like, oh wow, fantastic. He, yeah. I knew what a magnificent individual he was and yeah. fantastic to watch. But I just... I listen to podcasts, I read a lot of magazines, Money mm. Week, great all-round for politics, business, mm. what's happening in the city, other companies, great way of learning about what's happening in the world. cool, and uh, just just reading newspaper sites online.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I mean, one thing was interesting with Bruce Dickinson about going to do things. you know bearing in mind he was in a band, massively successful band, um, you know, making decent money, traveling around, having the life that a lot of people would dream of. But he woke up one day without fulfilment from that and that was the amazing thing and he went off and did something else he left yeah. the band yeah. and, and essentially set on an airline from a longer term but what we didn't talk
1: patient. about at the beginning was he was hugely driven because he had no money to start off he was oh, living yes. out in squats yeah. to start with and he had no money And so he, he, he pushed himself further took the risks and, and, and took it and he never stopped taking risks just yeah. as I said earlier one of those people who will take a risk
0: yeah Le- left a the, left the very successful band and set up an airline, essentially, after a while. That's just amazing. But, hey-ho, that's good. Um, the, what, what's the hardest part of your job? Um, Saying no,
1: I think, probably. I love what I do. I, I love meeting all the people. I'm so lucky that I, I come into Trade and Depot occasionally. Mm-hmm. I cater for you most of the week. I do my web design stuff a couple of other days a week. I just And if somebody w- wants something or asks something, I can't say no. Oh, cool. I think that also comes from the self-employed days when there was very little work around, and but I just love meeting people. I love finding out new things, and but it does mean
0: I am stretched. Passion, passion for learning. Pa- not saying no, but it's it's, it's it's an important part of all businesses and life skills, to be honest. And that's something you, again you learn is to say no. Sometimes it's it's harder to say no, but it's actually the right decision. Yep. And that's very important. I think a lot of people should, if they if they feel with your gut that you should say no, then maybe you should say no. I've learned that a lot. One thing I have learned how to do is delegate though. Um, I've said said before I've got a great
1: team at Caterphew, one of the best things uh, was when Mark joined us Mm. and um, he took over the reins of the day-to-day running. So I was doing all my website work, picking, packing, ordering, dealing with customers. Mark came on board, fabulous, and uh, and he took the day-to-day running essentially from there and uh, we worked together well as a team. That's a delegation I find very easy. One of the best things I ever heard from one of my former employers was uh, just surround you with people who are better than you are mm. and just organise them so do a better job than you could possibly do. Yeah
0: and, and I have the same philosophy 100% is that you know I've again great team here at Drayton Depot yep. we have uh, very passionate guys about what they do and everyone's really enthusiastic everyone loves what they do and they, they're pushing things forward and so we get some great ideas from the guys and the, the team here you know kelly and the team well they're but the ones talking to, to
1: the customers and that yeah. and they get ideas from customers as well and what about doing this why aren't we doing this never occurred
0: to you well i i don't know why aren't we doing it let's yeah. do it yeah well i came in this morning and we had a training with dyson yesterday uh so the whole the whole team did and coming this morning and three people said to me within about five minutes here that was great really interesting i really enjoyed learning yeah. Yeah. about yeah. the brand and the the products and that kind of stuff and you think so? well you know you just you know, you really interested or have you actually learned you know no no, no I really really no, they, enjoyed it. they told me as well yeah, when I came. exactly <laughs> and how cool is that Genuine. is that people are actually that interested to, to learn about a brand a manufacturer and a product even as you know not, uh, some of their products are quite sexy but you know uh, is a hand dryer sounds quite boring yeah. really but let's face it when you take the technology and the brand behind it they're fabulous
1: yeah, it random. comes back employee training so that's one instance I mentioned Buck's Business First where Kate is located in Buckinghamshire they do some great courses mm. and I always put it out to the guys and, and a few of them always go on courses and they yeah. love it and they come Good. back and they pick stuff up that I, I don't know and, and implement it in the business great cool. favourite film Andy what, what sort of uh, films
0: and movies what, what are you into Internet? you got a Netflix subscription
1: um, I actually cancelled that recently because no, my, uh, no. I know my daughter was watching it too much, so I switched it off. Yeah. Transpire, she just set her own account up. Yeah. I don't know how she did With it. With your card, probably? Probably, yes. <laughs> Same as my Amazon Prime account is now used for everything. Yeah. But, uh, I don't really watch films. I watched a Bond film last night. Did I, you? It's about the last time I went to the cinema. I was what? the last Bond film. Can you
0: remember what film it was? Last night. Yeah, well, you're getting <laughs> old. you might forget by now. What, <laughs> what film was it? Was it was GoldenEye last Goldeneye? night. Yeah, GoldenEye,
1: Very good. Yes. But uh, no, I don't really. I watch sport. Not really. in a film. Too busy working. Too busy working. Too busy working. Yeah, so feel my
0: hours, hours working. Yeah, feel his hours working. Not only his main job, but his other main job and his, um, his other main job. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and his hobby. Um, cool, uh, and I think that's that's it really. We we've really wrapped it up. I hope it's been useful. Oh, I, I hope, hope that was of interest. yeah Yeah, I'm sure it is. And uh, didn't mention
1: much about Trading Depot, who obviously. Uh,
0: or help set up, but uh, another That's
1: podcast good. if uh, listeners demand it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Definitely. No, it's good. It's interesting. Thank you very much. For oh, you thanks for having me, Darren. It's good fun. Thank you.